What's up, everybody? It's another episode of Just for Sport on the other side of 100. So excited, and thank you very much to everyone that um, helped make it possible. I gave some shout outs on social media for all of the people that were integral guests staff, listeners, subscribers, fans, whatever you want to call yourself. I really appreciate it. And here we are, looking forward to another 100. And as I thought about over the weekend what I have been watching, what I wanted to talk about in my 101st episode... And I said I was going to have a guest, but I'm going to hold off on that for a little bit. Just for a little bit. I was watching the NBA playoffs. And I was really amazed. I was amazed at two things. I thought the Clippers were done. I really thought that not only had Dallas turned a corner, so to speak, and it was the the ascension of Luka Doncic, And that this might be the end of the Clippers and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in the experiment that is Tyron Lue. But no. This was only the beginning as I think about what is next for the Los Angeles Clippers. And in some ways, what's next for Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. And the reason I am keying in on this game, this matchup, or this, yeah, this, the round that ended, is because what I see in someone in Luka, I don't know, is it wrong to say it? I just felt as I was watching it, he was, there were games where he played amazing. It seemed like he couldn't miss. But also the whining, the crying for foul calls, the jumping up and down when he thought that a whistle should have been blown that wasn't. And you know, you know, I I try to watch those referees, maybe not like a hawk, but you know I let it be known. When I feel like the referees made some bad calls. And they do. A lot. A lot. But I thought Luca let the refs get in his head. And I thought also, or think, that he's got to work on his ability to not get too chesty. 
Now, maybe you can get Chesty with playoff P, but in game six, Kawhi Leonard showed you, don't get Chesty with me. Poking it out, acting as if you're untouchable and, and you're the best at this. Because the Clippers, man, did they come back strong. They came back really, really, really strong. They pulled out game seven, exercised demons, so to speak, if you will. Now, the Clippers may have the easiest road to the Western Conference Finals. Now they may. And I don't know why I didn't think about this before, because it's definitely true. You know, it's like we knew, okay, if they beat Dallas, they're going to play Utah. But maybe this woke the Clippers up. Maybe this kind of allowed them to be able to play their brand of basketball in a way. To say, okay, we got over the hump. Now let's move forward and we can do this. That's 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 what I like to think. And we'll see if that happens. I think there is a there there's a good chance. There's a good chance. I think they have a really solid chance of being able to Beat the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz are great. They've had, or they've had a great season. And I want to say they're great. They've had a great season. And this is going to be their toughest test yet. And they're not used to this. You remember they collapsed against Denver when they were up 3-1. And to me, this is a bigger test for Utah. All of the pressures on Utah and not on the Clippers. I don't think it's on the Clippers. The Clippers got over the pressure. I mean, I think there would have been more pressure. Going into the game six and game seven against the Dallas Mavericks. So they're good now. I feel like they're good. The other series... as I shift zigzag between the East and West, is the Bucks nets I don't know what I was thinking as I watched the game. Now, granted, Harden isn't available for game two. But as I watched game one, I was in my head apologizing to myself. Saying that I'm sorry for thinking that there was a big three in Milwaukee the same way there's a big three with the Nets. Now they are 
very, very good players. I don't like how a number of people call players great when either they're not great or they're, they haven't shown enough. Giannis is great. Chris Middleton is really good. Drew Holiday is really good. But I'm not going to use great with Middleton and Holiday. Holiday. I'm not going to do it. But you can use great on the other side of the ball with Harden, Kyrie, and James Harden. Excuse me. And (laughs) Kevin Durant. You can use greatness with Harden, Irving, and Durant. So the big three are not equal. They're simply not equal. But the playing field is level tonight. The fact that Harden will not be able to play changes the landscape of this game. It really does. And it's unfortunate because the Nets had the big three together for all but five games in the first round. Maybe you could say five games in one minute. How about that? It was their longest streak of the entire season and once again hardens out for game two. And I think what the Nets did to the Bucks in game one, realistically without Harden for most of it as of that game two, suggests that the Nets should not have a problem winning game two. But I think you will see several adjustments from the Bucks, and this game should be a little bit different. If it's not, then the Bucks are in trouble. They definitely don't have a big three. And all of the stuff I said about, hey, they finally got a point guard to replace Malcolm Brogdon and Drew Holiday. Now they got a big three or four. If you throw in Brooke Lopez, he's played very well. I'm not sure what's going to happen tonight. Which Bucks team you're going to get. And I also think for the Nets, they are going to have to get bigger. I see why they signed LaMarcus Aldridge, and it would have been nice to have him. I think they probably should have traded for JaVale McGee, and I'm mostly saying that because he was available. Maybe Kevin Durant was like, nah, I'm good. I don't know. But the Bucks, they dominated the paint, 72-48. to 48. And I imagine that they are going to try to dominate tonight. They must. The other series, Denver, Phoenix. Phoenix won the season series 2-1. A crazy stat I saw on NBA.com, DeAndre Ayton had the third most minutes of any player in the league playing against Nikola Jokic. 
and he's going to have his hands full. I actually think DeAndre Ayton will be more of a key to how well the Suns do than Chris Paul and Devin Booker in this series. Devin Booker's been amazing. I mean, that... Woo, that elimination game versus the Lakers was out of this world in game six. LeBron even knew it was over. In the first five minutes of the game, he's like, oh yeah, we're done. We're done. In that series, I do think that Denver has the better team. The better supporting cast. I expect them to win this series. And the other series that I expect the team to win is the Atlanta Hawks. They look really good. They really do. And, man... I see them doing more damage than we thought that they could. Maybe it's that Philadelphia isn't. Um, it could be a one-game thing. But I tell you what, this reminds me of that one game when Atlanta went into New York. And everybody's like, oh, it's one game. They won the first game. Ice Tray is becoming a villain. All up and down the East Coast. They're up and down 95. Trey Young has played magnificent. I was even watching uh, a recap of the game where NBA TV, they cut the whole game down to one hour. And you're just watching the best shots from both teams. And you see Joel Embiid doing his little shimmy shimmy on a dunk here and there. But Joel Embiid can only, let's just say that I feel like Trey Young can create his own shot a little bit more than Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid's got a lot of talent. He does. He does have a lot of talent. But man, the Atlanta Hawks, wow. They look really good. They look really, really, really good. And we'll see what happens there. But as you know, I'm also into tennis and I've been trying to, not trying, but watching the French Open. It's not as easy to get into it. It's unfortunate when when you look at the Serena Williams out, Naomi Osaka's out. A lot of players are, it just doesn't have that uh, je ne sais quoi, if you will. I think you're going to end up seeing a 
player that you didn't expect to get to win it. Maybe it is a Coco Golf, which would be exciting. Maybe. But Serena going out, Naomi Osaka going out. I don't know. It's just it's just not the same. On the men's side, still got team team. The news that uh, Naomi Osaka is not going to compete in the Wimbledon tune-up, too. That's not good. That's not good at all. I mean, oh boy. I hope this doesn't dovetail into a very long, long, long-term standoff, if you will. That, that's what we don't want. That's what we don't want. But it is it, it is exciting to to watch. It's just uh, it's just not quite the same. Rafa's still in it. Jokic is still in it. I mean, basically, on the men's side, you've got all of the top players still in it. Well, there, of course, is one missing. My guy, team, team. I'm team, team, but he just... Ugh. It's just not in the cards this time, unfortunately. Unfortunately. But on the women's side, you know, it opens the door for... us to, we're going to be crowning a new champion. But all of the top players are out of the tournament. Except for Iga Swiatek. And so she immediately becomes the favorite to win it all. And I imagine that she will, but it, it just takes away a little bit from the tournament. You're not, it's not, you're just not watching it the same way. You're just not. And that's unfortunate. In baseball, As I look at the standings and think about almost reassessing again who's real and who's not. And I'll give you 
a very telling stat that I think you should pay attention to more so than wins and losses. You got to look at the differential. The runs scored versus runs against. And when I look at that, I see Tampa Bay's for real. Did we think they weren't for real? We knew they were for real. They were for real last year when they were in the World Series. I thought they would take a step back. You thought they would take a step back. Be for real. And they haven't. Now the crazy thing is you can still get them at plus 1600 to win the World Series. Plus 450 to win the league. plus 150 to win the American League East. They have a plus 75 win differential. Run differential, excuse me, not win differential. Chicago White Sox at the top of the AL Central, plus 85. The White Sox have overtaken the Yankees. They're at plus 650 to win the World Series. They're at plus 300 to win that AL title. American League title. But then when you look at the regular standings, now I don't want to say that they are, I'm not trying to say that they're a fraud. But the Oakland Athletics are at plus six. That means they're playing a lot of tight games. They sit atop the AL West just ahead of the Houston Astros, only one game ahead. And the Astros are plus 69. So in many ways, the Astros have the bats and the pitching. The Athletics are just getting by. Somehow they're winning games. Very streaky. In the NL West, look at the Mets. Plus 11. Not great. Not great. But as I mentioned, that would be the tightest division. The National League East. Only seven games separate the Washington Nationals at the bottom of the NL East and the Mets at the top. Now, the difference is I've been talking about the plus run differential. Yeah, Nationals, I don't know if they can make a run. They're at minus 31 for their run differential. But you got the Marlins at minus 3, the Phillies at minus 11, and the Braves at minus 3. That's, you know, that basically means, if you look at the Phillies, only 11 runs potentially separate a win here or there and they could be at the top of the NL East now NL Central 
The Brewers are at the top with a record of 33 and 26 with a minus four run differential. So it's tight for them too. A little more tighter than the Oakland Athletics because they're the only team at the top of a division with a negative differential. So all of the Cubs fans at 33 and 26, Michael Wilbon's probably happy about that, that the Cubs are plus 30. The Milwaukee Brewers are 9-1 and one in their last 10. So the Cubs have been sliding a little bit, but they're tied for first place at 33-26. and 26. The Cubs are looking really, really good this year. And lastly, in the AL West, who's in L West? Who's going to win the National League? You got the San Francisco Giants at plus 70, the San Diego Padres at plus 70, and the Los Angeles Dodgers, a very streaky team at plus 83. Padres and Dodgers, four and six in their last 10. Giants, seven and three. So that's going to be a tight race, but the Rockies and Diamondbacks are out of it already. The Dodgers are still favored to win the World Series, but the Padres have dropped down to plus 700, only 50 off of the Chicago White Sox. Mets are at plus 950, then the Yankees, Astros, Rays, Athletics, then the Braves. At plus 2100. Those are some good numbers. Braves at plus 2100. It's just something to think about. When you're rooting on your best team, wondering how they're doing, the Orioles and Nats not doing well. I love a tight game. So it's cool that the run differential is close. Hey, as long as they win, right? That's what you want. But I'm just saying that's something to keep an eye on. And keep an eye on me. You gotta watch out. What am I gonna do next? I don't know. Think about it for my next pod. That'll do it for Just for Sport. Hope you enjoyed it. Ciao for now.